And now I would like to introduce our speaker for the day. He is the one, the only, our very own special spiritual director, Reverend Patrick Cameron. Am I on? I am on. Good. Good morning. Welcome. I have Karen. I put $20 in an envelope back there for you. I have the Karen Porca CD, which I'm... 68 minutes and 17 seconds of more of that, so that one. <clears throat> and it better be there when I come back from sh- hugging people, too. So, <laughs> so I'm going to invite you this morning to stay seated. And there's a practice that I think is, is quite wonderful, and it's uh, a practice that I use a lot. And it's just simply a way to shift our awareness and our, our sense of being and our... Uh, current moment reality uh, to spaciousness. And it's very simple. It's just simply touching something physically. And I like to just tap my fingers together gently or rub them together. Or sometimes if I'm sitting, I'll just move my hand on my knee a bit and focus on that as well as the breathing. And what it does is it restricts the mind from the tape that runs. Have you noticed that your mind is pretty busy? And it's a way of just moving into the spaciousness. And so I'd like to invite you to practice that today. So be mindful if you're singing of the notes because singing does it for us as well. When we sing and listen to the music, the mind can, can only do those two things. It cannot think. And so that's why song is so important. So I'm going to invite you to participate in that practice with me of finding some way to have a tactile experience as well as track your breathing at the same time and just be in the song. The Greeks, it's a tradition the Greeks developed years ago. It's called the common sense. And uh, it's finding transcendence through the senses. That's where common sense actually started. So anyway, as we sing, let's move into that spaciousness. In this very room, there's quite enough love. For all the world And in this very room There's quite enough joy For all the world And there's quite enough love And quite enough power To walk through our every fear spirit one spirit is in this very room in this very room in this very room know with me one life God's life. That life is perfect. And I claim that life as my own in this moment. And in this spaciousness, I am open and receptive to whatever is alive for me in this moment, whatever bubbles up. What is the question that is longing to be answered? Where I am in my life right here and right now is perfectly, divinely ordained. I'm supported in every good way, and I enter into that conversation here and now. And so I know throughout our gathering today, as well as beyond, that clarity and that wisdom that I call forth in my experience, clarity is power. 
I live and move and have my being in the divine clarity of life, in that spaciousness, of that oneness, in that transcendent state of being. And everything that I affirm is from clarity, from claiming my good and identifying that good. And so I just give thanks this day for an opportunity to claim and name my good. For this I give thanks and I invite you to say with me as I release this prayer into this infinite law, which always says yes, that continues to conspire in every good way, whatever is impressed upon it, I give thanks and together we say, and so it is. Thank you, Brown. Beautiful. Beautiful day. It's great to be back. We were, Laura and I were traveling. We missed last Sunday. We were traveling for two weeks. And we spent a week in Chicago, which was a wonderful experience. It was our international centers, international centers for spiritual living annual conference, our last one that we do, independent of our, our sister organization, which is the United Centers for Spiritual Living. And so it was really wonderful because it was sort of two weeks of being immersed in the in the, the vibration of, of genius, of, of, of wonderful speakers and uh, wonderful experiences. I wanted to share with you, you know, we are a teaching that, that uh, believes in the, that our word has power. And so I want to talk a bit about that because really what we teach is quite simple. And it's very easy. My experience, I can only speak from my experience, but it's easy to forget. It's easy to go off the tracks because we, for myself, for many of us, we've spent years and years and years of doing it a different way. And so it's so important to be re-inspired and re- reminded of what we do. So for, I don't know, the last six months I've been telling a joke or a story that, that uh, I think is, is kind of fun. And it's about the story of when I was in grade school asking the sister if, in fact, anybody besides Catholics went to heaven. And she said, well, you know, good question. And up until Vatican II, it was thought that, uh, that nobody but Catholics went to heaven. And then at Vatican II, they decided that if you were a good Methodist or you were a good uh, United Church of Canada member or you're a good religious scientist and led a good life, that yes, you would, could end up in heaven. Because as a, as a teacher, Jesus said, there are many rooms in my father's house. But unfortunately, your room will probably be next to the ice machine uh, across from the elevator. <laughs> and so I thought that was a pretty cute story to kind of throw in once in a while to elevate the the joy in the room. And when I get to Chicago, we check in and we're on the 21st floor across from the ice machine next to the elevator. <laughs> so I realize that words do have power and be careful of what I think is, is cute. And also, I think Chicago should be noted that I don't, there was not, I think there were about 20 minute periods where this, the, there wasn't a siren going off. I mean, 24 hours a day, there was a siren going off in Chicago. Not that that's a bad thing. It was just interesting. <clears throat> so we went to Silomar this past week, which is in Monterey, and it's a whole different experience. And it was wonderful because we actually got a chance to catch up on our sleep. But it was also wonderful because when we got there, our book for the month is 29 Questions for an Ordinary Life by Norman Bruchard. And Norman Bruchard was there presenting. And Gay Hendricks was there, who wrote The Big Leap. And so a lot of the, the information and the consciousness that we've welcomed into our community was, was fully present there. And we had a wonderful visit with Norm. We went to his, his workshop. And it was also interesting because most of the discussion that Laura and I participated in and much of the, the, the lectures that we experienced in, at Asilomar in particular were around question. That the quality of our life, as Gay Hendricks, author of The Big Leap, said the quality of our life is really dependent upon the, the quality of the questions that we have. And he talked about moving from your level of excellence to your level of genius. 
We're going to revisit that book in the fall. It's been a wonderful book, and hopefully you've been working with it. And I'll start to slip a few things in, but, but as the, over the next couple of months, I want to work with two books. One is Norm Bouchard's 29 Questions for an Ordinary Life, and the other one is something we've had in the bookstore for months, and I haven't really gotten into it, but the creative journal writing, Stephanie Dowrick's The Art and Heart of Reflection, which inspired The Art and Heart of Abundant Living. And it's wonderful. It's important, I think, to get clear about naming your good and writing it down. And journaling is, is a way to do that. So when we were in Asilomar, uh, I was invited to be the, the, the final speaker on Thursday night, and it was just an amazing, amazing experience. Um, I, I can't even put words to it, but there were 800 people, and what I shared with them was, was poetry, and I shared with them soulfulness, and I shared with them a lot of ideas that hadn't been the discussion throughout the week. And it was very interesting because it was, it was such an alive experience, and, and, and to have 800 people stand up and roar at the end of a talk was just... It was a, it, there was a physical ex- experience. I brought some, a DVD or two back. Uh, but it was just wonderful to be invited and to, to share what's alive for me and to be inspired and to be immersed in it because it really is a collective consciousness. I think what wants to be expressed, ultimately, if we open to it, if we move to the spaciousness in our lives, we stop thinking and planning and we, because we've set intentions, and that's all right and perfect. It's not about living a life of randomness. It's really about, it's about partnering spiritual practice with spiritual experience. See, my, the demand for me or the request for me as, as the spiritual leader here is to dip into that arena as often as possible and then filter it out so I can share something meaningful for you. And so Laura and I had the experience of being there and being immersed, especially at a Silomar where you're isolated and you have community meals where you meet new people and you, you share meals together and you share the energetic for the whole week and it builds and builds and builds. And I told Laura, I don't want to just parachute in on Thursday when I do the talk. I want to be there and I want to listen to as many talks and as many workshops as I can because I want to be able to understand how I can contribute with some great meaning. In Chicago, we heard a number of sto- stories being repeated. And I thought, isn't it interesting that one story becomes alive and then people share it? But I wanted to make sure that I, I, I brought the best that I could to the experience. Not just content, but also uh, consciousness. So it was a wonderful experience. And so one of the people that we sh- spent time with at a seminar was Kathy Ann Lewis. And Kathy Ann has a very large, vibrant work in Seattle. Several thousand members. And she's just a force of nature that I, I just adore. And Laura and I have actually traveled and, and done some uh, workshops with her. And Kathy Ann did a workshop... Um, called Money, Mysticism, and Mystery. And so the money thing is something that people, you know, you you hear anything about money, people want to go. But really what it was about, and when the first question, and she she put this together from studying the scientific mental practice by uh, um, Emma Curtis Hopkins. And it's seven steps. I'm going to share one step with you today so you come back next week. But it's powerful, powerful stuff, and it's nothing that we haven't talked about before. But she said the first step, we want to, well, uh, before I get to the first step, she said we want to activate the principle of thriving. Activate this principle of thriving. And so is the principle of thriving alive in your life? Are you thriving? Just a question. And that's, uh, I think that's a worthy question. Thriving is, a, <clears throat> as de- de- defined by Viktor Frankl, um, is something that it's continual 
a, a constant movement forward into it. And the steps that she articulates, there's seven of them. But you start out naming your good. The first step is naming your good. What's your good? How many here know what your good is? Okay, cool. And we'll work with that this, this month. I'm going to work with both these books for the next several weeks, probably through August and September. Because it's just so much wonder. There's so many things I want to share with you. But anyway, we went to the workshop said, name your good. And then she brought people up. And she helped them find their good. And so good is, it's very interesting what people's good is because you may think you want a million dollars. That would be your good. But it's always beneath that. What is, what is this, what does a million dollars represent to you? What is the experience? Because you can have that experience without the million dollars. And that's not a cop-out. You can still have the million dollars. But it may not be your good. And so it's very interesting that the clarity, the clarity we bring to that. She said life must move and it takes so much energy to be stagnant. You realize that to do nothing, how much energy it takes? And most people are stuck. Most people, have, most people <clears throat> don't understand metaphysics, don't understand the, uh, the opportunity that we have, this gift that we have in our lives. But the divine is always for further expansion and greater expression. That is the infinite nature of the universe. It is always that way. So what happens many times is we use our teaching to solve a problem. Have you ever done that? Have you done an affirmative prayer to solve a problem? I've done that. Many, I've probably used affirmative prayer more often to solve a problem than I have to move into my genius. It's all about the nature of the question. It's all about the awareness and the consciousness. It's also about all of those things. So the second step is all about that, the things that come up once we have identified our good, which is to pull them up and look at them. I've given you the second step. The first group didn't even get the second step this week, so don't tell them if you see them. Some people pray to move away from something. Some people pray to move away from something. And some people pray to move into something. There's a huge difference. Huge difference. Are you praying? Are your, is your intention that you're setting, are you even praying? Because it's easy to get sloppy with our practice. It's easy to, to forget it at times. And that's okay too. I've done that. I've gotten out of practice. See, the reason we offer classes... You can read the book. You can read the textbook. I tell people all the time, don't buy that textbook and try and read it on your own. You could hurt yourself. You need a benevolent, you need, you need a consciousness to guide you through that book. You really do. You need to look at it. You need to be able to uh, ask the questions, to do the inquiry. You need to marinate in it because it, it, it turns your thinking around. And you start to look at things in a different way. And if you don't have a guide, it's very easy to just put it down and say, this is too hard, this is complicated. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He knows very clearly what he's talking about. But the consciousness might not be there for us to read it. Every time I pick up that textbook, I read something new. And I've been at this 20 years. But you need a guide. See, what I love about our teaching, it's not just about having the, the mystical experience. It's not just about the spaciousness. It's about thriving. It's about moving our lives forward. Because it's easy to get comfortable. It's easy to, to fall into this idea that it's, it's comfortable. An example that Kathy Ann used is the idea of treating for a job, doing spiritual mind treatment for a, the right and perfect job, for work. Nobody wants to work. Nobody wants a job. Do you want a job? Do you want work? Do you want to work? I don't want to work. I mean, if we're honest, we tell each other the truth. Do you want to go to work? I've gone to work. Well, here I am. It's Monday morning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I can't wait till Friday afternoon. It's not that we don't want to 
be active in life. But we want to live and express from our genius. We want to be in our excellence and be able to shift into our genius. And then we're in our passion. So what we can express then is powerful and wonderful. That's what I love about our teaching. That's what I love about this job. I don't have a job. This does not work for me. I told one of the ministers at the Solomar, a new minister, and I said, you know, to be, to be compensated to do spiritual practice and to do the inquiry, yeah, there's not, it's, it's the sweetest thing in the world. And if you're not drawn to it, well, it's not your, it's not your place. If you're, work, if you're in a job that, that you're unhappy with, you need to put that job down because you're, you're in somebody else's way. You have somebody else's job. Michael Beckwith said, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much room. If you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much room. It's the forward movement of spirit. It's that being called. We're being called, we're being called by a vision. So it's so important when we articulate what our goal is. What is our good? To, for me, and, we, and it doesn't end with one. It's seven steps. Today, my, my goal, my, my, my good, and good is God. Good and God are the same thing. My good this day is to be a joyful, inspiring expression of the design, divine. A joyful, inspiring expression of the divine. Now, what that means for me is clarity. It's uh, uh, vibrationally to prepare myself. When I did the talk on Thursday night, I had all week to treat. I told Laura at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm ready to do my talk. That's the nine-year-old kid in me. I said to her, it's the kid in me. I want to do the talk now. I'm ready. I've got to wait another four hours. An hour later, I told her, I'm not ready to do the talk anymore. But that's the kid. You know, we want to get it done. We're ready. We want to get the gift. And, you know, it's like, you know, my, I, I remember the first gift I bought for my mom for Christmas. I, I had saved money. I, I worked. We all worked as kids. And, and my, my dad always made sure we worked. And so I saved my money up and I bought my mom my first, the first real Christmas present I bought her, which was a set of pots and pans. To say the least, she was not impressed. <laughs> but for me, that was exciting. What, she always had pots and pans. I thought she needed new pots and pans. Flowers would have been a better idea. So I learned. But what I, what I wanted to do with that gift, and why I mentioned it, is I wanted to give it to her. I had it on the 21st. I wanted to give it to her on the 22nd. And my mom said, well, I'll open it at Christmas. Well, why don't you open it right now? It's here. You know, that's the nine-year-old kid in this. But it's having the awareness to understand that. And then I said, okay, then I got I to gotta get back into spiritual practice, which was spaciousness. I said to Laura, let's go back to our room at Asilomar. It was the best room we ever had. I said, you know, had I known that you guys would give us such a great room, I would have joined your organization years ago. But now we're integrating. There's nothing to join. We had this wonderful room. We went back to the room the day of the, my talk, and we were going to lay down and take a little nap. Because I, I like to do that. Even Sunday mornings, I get up and I work on it, and then I go back to sleep because there's always things that I plant seeds with, and the dreams come. And then it's like, hmm, that's a neat piece. And they're little clues that you work with. Anyway, we go back to the room, and here's somebody practicing the ukulele down the hall for three hours. I said, are you sleeping? She said, no. I said, we'll just pretend we're sleeping. It was, it was not good ukulele music either. When we focus on the problem, so this idea, let me clear this up on job. We want to be able to, to live in freedom and express what we have to give. And when we're doing that, then we're not working. Then it's not a job. We're, sh- we're in our joy. And we're called to that. We are hardwired for that. We f- when we focus on a problem, we're not realizing a problem is a call to our good. I talked about Barb Gobert. Now, Barb, I, I know some of you know and some of you don't know, but Barb's been really struggling with her, her health. I spoke about this when she was here earlier. 
And there's a tendency as metaphysicians when we have illness in our lives, when our physical body is not functioning properly, to think we've failed or we're punishing ourselves in some capacity. I think that's just way too linear. I think that there's things that happen. When, when that starts to happen for us, for us we're not aligning ourselves with the, a bigger idea. And so it's, it's a call to our good. And I said that to Barb. This is a call to your good. It's also a call for us organizationally how we operate. Because she carries a tremendous load here. She, she, she is involved with every decision. She's involved with every interaction here. And it's very interesting to watch that. And so how can we nurture that? And how can we set this up in a better way? So it's a call for our good as well. That the way we've been doing things up until this point needs to change. And we told Darb that. We love you. We want you to get well. Take care of yourself. We're going to make things work. And whatever decisions beyond that, we're going to celebrate that, whatever it is. Because we want the best for everyone. That's what we teach. That's what we teach. So there's another way to do this. There's another, but it is a call. It's a call to our good. So what is your good? As Kathy Ann said, we have dummied it down to be comfortable. We've dummied it down to be comfortable. And we're not here to be comfortable. Of course we want to be comfortable. But if we settle for comfortable, we never get a chance to move into genius. We never even get into excellence. And that's where wonderful things happen. Emerson said, what have you learned lately? Ralph Waldo Emerson said, what have you learned lately? You cannot do spiritual practice and stay the same. You cannot, if you're staying the same, you're not doing spiritual practice, and I know this to be true. You cannot do spiritual practice and stay the same. And you know what, when you're naming your good, because this week I'm going to ask you and invite you to name your good. And in Stephanie Dalrick's book, The Heart and Art of Reflection, there's wonderful clues in there about journaling. Naming your good, Kathy Ann Lewis said, when you name your good, it brings a smile to your face. That's when you'll know you're there. You might think you know what it is. We watched her work with people over and over and over again. I got in there, and I'm saying, right away you start thinking, what's my good? What's, what, does he, what does he mean by good? And she said, it's usually very succinct, and it brings a smile to your face. So the million dollars might mean something for you. The million dollars for most is freedom, to live in freedom. Can we live in freedom without the million dollars? How am I thriving? And, and as Kathy Ann said, it's the first step. Name your good, and then you go through the, seven, the other six steps, and you get here, and you have, you have the experience. Or if you don't, you stay with it. You do the practice, and then you move, into the, and you move it again, uh, go back into it again. It never, see, it never ends. But once it becomes part of our practice, this is what successful, powerful, dynamic, creative, free people do. Most of them don't even know the steps because eventually it becomes second nature. So I start here. Joyful, inspiring expression of the divine. That's my good today. And then there's steps for that. And I'm not, like I said, not going to share all the steps with you today, but naming your good, as Kathy Ann said, and I believe this to be true as well, it's 80%. It's 80% of the work to get clear. Most of us don't know what the good is. And it's okay. I, I share this with you. Because it, and maybe you do, and I honor you for knowing it. But this, this good, this good is leading you to the next good. Good is God. Don't forget that. Good is God. And so I want to live in that good. I want to be called into that good. And it's so easy to use the teaching to solve a problem. You cannot do spiritual practice and stay the same. If we take on anything, we need to allow ourselves to thrive through it. To thrive through it. 
activate the principle of thriving in our lives. That's our opportunity. Activate the principle of thriving in our lives. We are a very, very powerful, successful community. I shared with the group on Thursday night, I said, you know, when I arrived in Edmonton, there were 100 people there. There were 106 people that voted when Laura and I came. When we did the Windspear Easter, there were 1,150 people there. Because I know that you get this, you connect with this. But it's the practice. The reason that we get into class is not to read it together. It is, but it's so we practice. And if we have spiritual practice in our lives and we're committed to it, and even this, this little spaciousness I gave you, it moves you into a space where you just quiet the mind and you're open and receptive. You're in that conversation of spaciousness. And when I'm in that spaciousness, I'm affirming my I am. I am a divine expression of the infinite right here and right now. Every good thing is flooding into my life. And I get more and more excited and all of a sudden I get the God bumps, which I'm getting right now as I share this with you. And sometimes if that gets too frantic for me, I just shut up. See, one of the steps in here is words have power. If you affirm long enough that you're going to be next to the ice machine opposite the elevator, you will be. I mean, it's just the way the, the bless you. It's just the way the law works. It responds to us. To become clearer and clearer of your good, my good. I like this too. Kathy Ann said, if you find you're the same person that you were last year, you may want to ask yourself some questions. Are you the same person you were last year? It might be time to ask a question. See, this is the beauty of questions. When I got, to, I got there, and it was, very, it was a wonderful experience because people got up and they did their the chapter and verse science mind talks and they were wonderful and they were all pretty much the same. And I got up and I said, I want to share, and all of these, these ideas, now they asked me for my talk title about three months prior to the event. And I like to work with poetry. I always have a poem I'm memorizing. I love that. Ernest Holmes used to have all kinds of poems that were inspiring. He'd memorize. And I have them all throughout my life. I have a book that I carry around, stuff I love, and I, and I, wanna, I like to memorize it just because I want to be able to pull it up. And so the title of my talk, I said, well, let's call it Sometimes because that was a poem by David White that I've shared a few times here. And so the whole theme throughout the week was asking the questions. Asking the questions. And the quality of your life, as Gay Hendricks said, is based on the quality of the question. And so the, the poem goes like this. I finally got it memorized. And you've heard it before, but I've read it, and I want to slow it down for you a little bit today. But sometimes, sometimes... If you move carefully through the forest, breathing like the ones in the old stories, you come to, you could cross a bed of shimmering leaves without making a sound. Remember that as kids when you're out in the forest? In order to do that, we have to slow our heartbeat down. One of the ways I, I find it easier for me to slow my heartbeat down is I stop thinking. And then I go into the spaciousness. I find a way to do two things at once. Pay attention to my breathing and listen to the music. Rub my fingers together and track my breathing. Rub my tongue on the back of my teeth and track my breathing. Close my eyes and feel what the back of my eyelids feel like and track my breathing. Listen, feel my ears and, feel the, and hear the sounds and track my breathing. Once you do that, the mind has to focus on that. It can't go somewhere. Breathing like the ones in the old stories who could cross a bed of shimmering leaves without making a sound. You come to a place whose only task is to trouble you with tiny but frightening requests. Request conceived out of nowhere, but in this place beginning to lead everywhere. Request to stop what you're doing right now 
and stop what you're becoming while you do it. Questions that can make or unmake a life. Questions that can make or unmake a life. Questions that have waited patiently for you. And questions that have no right to go away. And when we understand it's not about the answer, it's really about the question. But it's also about being clear. What we teach, if you want to use this teaching powerfully and wonderfully, we do specific prayers for specific results. Specific prayers for specific results because it calls us to clarity. The other part of it is, is to, then to allow the magic and the mystery to take place in our lives. But we need to be clear in our own consciousness to live a life of thriving. If we, we're, we're going to activate thriving in our lives, then this becomes, my new, this becomes my new practice of thriving in my life. And I do specific prayers in my life that line me up with thriving. If it be around health, that my body is functioning at the, the highest level possible in this moment. And it's honoring that, that landscape, as Elizabeth Lesser talked about at, o, at the Omega Institute. But activating thriving in our lives. Working with beauty in our lives, the poetry, the songs. Ernest Holmes' book, The Voice Celestial, it's all poetry. And it's all at a, written at a level of consciousness that's quite beautiful. And so, some, and so what we want to do many times is surrender to that and work with the words and let it work on us because there's a consciousness upon the words. That has been my experience with most sacred text. And our textbook is sacred text. There's many sacred texts in the world that have been written at a, a level of consciousness. But I think we do ourselves a disservice when all we're using spiritual practice for is to solve problems. There's something far more interesting to move into, and that is the genius. So how, maybe the question you work with this week is, number one, what is my good? And is my good guiding me to my genius so that I can be in the genius and express it? Because my goal for you, I'm selfish. I want success for you. I want the absolute finest success for you possible. That's why we have shown up here, to live that and share our gifts. And Kathy Ann said, when I met Laura, the first thing, within 10 minutes, the first thing I said to her, because I'd been through a lot when I finally met this amazing woman, I said, I just want to have fun. I just want to have fun. And Kathy Ann shared it. She said, when you're doing your spiritual practice, it should be fun. So if you're a spiritual practice or you're not doing one, find something. What is the, fu- the fun spiritual practice for me? What is it? And, and work with the question. Stephanie Dalrick talks about it in this creative journal writing. Some great questions. I know the musicians are on their way up here. She said, in Stephanie Dalrick's book, it's on page 48, she says, many things are far better than fame or fortune. Love is one of them. Living creatively is another. Living creatively means tuning into all your senses and really knowing what's going on. It means making quirky connections and seeking out inspiration, beauty, humor, tenderness, and absurdity. Those are great things. I want to live in the absurdity. I want to live in the mystery of life. I want to live in the humor. I want to live in the tenderness. That's that soulfulness. I talked about it at Asilomar. I, I, I shared the poetry, and then I talked about some stories that, that helped crack people open. It cracked me open. And then all of a sudden, we were all the same heart. And at the end of the talk, it was just this roar of, of, of a, a different kind of conversation. But that's what's alive for me. She continues, it means liking the subtle as well as the magnificent. It means valuing your own experiences and making something of them. Creativity may be expressed through great works of art, but it can also be a way of living that is open, spirited, engaged, eager, curious, and uplifting. See, those are words that I love. 
So there's wonderful clues in this book. We've had it in the bookstore for a number of months, and I haven't addressed it. Someone even said it was, we had wanted to do it for a book of the month a while back, months ago. So I guess one person bought one and then was upset because I wasn't using it. I'm using it now. Destiny. David White says that the universe is holding its breath, waiting for us to, to, to take our rightful place. The universe is holding its breath, waiting for us to take our rightful place. And our rightful place is not a final destination. Our rightful place is moving into our good, stepping into our good and using this step, but first naming our good. We name our good. We know our good. We get clear about our good, and then we can move forward. Now, I've, I've shed, shared that good, my good, for this morning with you because I got up thinking about this stuff. What's my good today? And that good may change this afternoon, but it's going to be more good, and I know it's going to be right and perfect. I'll be guided to it. But I'm going to dwell on that, and I'm going to ask the questions. We all have a unique destiny. When we think of destiny, we think of Napoleon Bonaparte, or we think of Christopher Columbus, or, you know, somebody famous. We all have a unique destiny. Every one of us has unique skills and talents and gifts and consciousness. There'll never be another you. They broke, they broke the mold. There'll never be another you. There'll never be another me. And it's our destiny to step into it. The universe is holding its breath, waiting for us to step into our place. Our place in that divine, beautiful expression of life. And to affirm that and know that and continue to nurture that. And whatever comes up as a result of that, that we've carried with us for a long time, look at it and honor it and love it and say, no more. I'm putting this down. To activate thriving in our lives. So this week, ask yourself the question, what is my good? How can I activate thriving in my life? If you're not thriving in your life, it doesn't diminish me. But I'm selfish and I want your greatest good because I want my greatest good. And I think we have a finite period of time here. A powerful, wonderful, beautiful teaching that honors all traditions and honors all people and puts down all those walls and just says life, live life, celebrate life at the highest level possible and at the most meaningful level possible for us that brings us joy, brings us celebration, brings us abundance, brings us thriving and creativity and freedom and beauty and the absurdity and the humor and the tenderness that allows us to work with ourselves and work with others in a powerful, beautiful way. So it is.